Hey Gems, welcome back to the show. Let's not waste any time and jump straight into the topic. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the show. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and share with us a little bit about your story. Thank you. I am so excited to be on your show. I first um, discovered you um, listening to Anthony O'Neill. And that was such a dynamic um, interview. And I was so drawn to your energy and I was just so excited about that. So to tell you a little bit more about me, um, I was called to ministry back when I was about 18, 19 years old. Uh, But there's a backstory before I get to all that. Um, I am not the type of girl that would be called into ministry. I actually started having sex uh, when I was incredibly young. Um, That was the average, um, the average age in my neighborhood was probably around 12 to 13 years old. And so that's about the time where I started that journey. And I was in an unhealthy relationship and I stayed in that relationship for about 10 years. And no one around me had fathers around. No one was having discussion about the issue. It was just, don't do it because I said so. And of course, when you say don't do something, the more you want to do it as a teenager. And so um, God then began to birth a purpose out of that pain that I was in um, and those mistakes that I had made back when I was younger. And not only that, but he called somebody like me into ministry to actually begin to speak to young girls and to encourage them to wait into marriage, not to perform um, for God. It's just simply because there, there's reasons behind that and the value behind that and knowing your worth and knowing who you are. So that's my life mission is to take that pain that I endured and now reflect it and shift it and change it into purpose. And so I'm just really excited to have some just good, delicious discussion with you about it. Wow. So it's about turning your pain into purpose. And you mentioned, you know, having had certain experiences when you were younger that, you know, probably for many reasons, right? You said the absence of having like male figures, um, Mm -hmm. the absence of the conversations around why, um, why not to do certain things or why maybe it's not the best idea at that time. Um, and so it sounds like it was a culmination of different things that kind of led to your experience, but maybe, you know, if it was on purpose or orchestrated in that way in order to kind of create a greater meaning for your story and your life being that later on, you know what I mean? That was something that you were able to transmute into your message. Absolutely. And, you know, as I wrestle with God about that, it's a, it's still a struggle when you, when God uses that pain in your life and shifts it and now says, Hey, I want to repurpose that pain. You're going to speak to young girls 
all across the world and you're going to encourage them based on your story, um, it's still a hard pill to swallow. And it's like, well, why did I have to endure that? So I definitely don't want to minimize um, the pain um, that I experienced or that or others are experienced, but encourage people to say, you know what, I did experience that, but it's not for nothing or not for anything. You know, it, it's, there's purpose in that. So, yeah. So I have to, I have to say like the podcast has been out for a little while now and I've been getting different requests as far as topics and things to discuss on the show. And to be honest, in general, publicly, I don't typically speak much on, you know, um, much on sex or anything having to do with that realm, just because I know that it's a sticky you know what I mean? A sticky mm-hmm. topic for some people. Not that I'm uncomfortable having the conversation, but that it's about, I'm always thinking about the people that are listening and watching. And, you know, when it when it comes down to things, I have these conversations all the time in the therapy room because nothing is off limits there. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to things, in order for people to heal, in order for communities to heal, um, these conversations need to be had more often because, the communication from what you mentioned is one of the reasons why you, you know, you had the experiences that you did, you know what I mean? And so naturally I can even see myself as a therapist who talks about everything under the sun, um, feeling that little, that little hesitation crop up of like, Ooh, is this something? I don't know. Like, is this something? (laughs) And so if that's happening for me, I can only imagine how, how challenging it is for people to have these conversations in their homes with their, with their families, um, with their partners and things like that. Cause you mentioned having been in an, you know, a not so healthy relationship. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I mean, I guess what kind of conversations do you think would be helpful or are helpful for young people to be um, making healthier decisions for themselves? Great. And I'm so glad you're you're going this direction with the discussion and that you mentioned that it's so uncomfortable because it really is an uncomfortable topic. And and while my um, my position on it is faith based, that doesn't mean that no one else should deal with the topic or that it's off limits. And this is or my discussion is only for this group of people. We need to be talking about the subject matter. Um, And so I would definitely encourage people, um, parents, um, to have age-appropriate discussions. And when we talk about body parts, even um, as when we talk to our children about body parts, we're not going to shame them and tell them it's a this and it's really not that. We're going to call that body part what it is, because what happens is they begin to learn shame on this topic. And so even though my position is more faith-based, it's also um, about like opening that that discussion and not putting shame on it and not treating it as though it's this dirty thing that that we do, because what ends up happening is we end up taking that dirt um, that we perceive and we take it into our marriages mm. and in our relationships. And no one has talked about it. People are not talking about it with me in a healthy way. We talk, we learn derogatory terminologies. And if most of us are honest, the way we learned about this topic was from pornography. If I could just be that bold and say that. And that's a huge, a very big factor in the community is that it's huge. And it's tearing up marriages. It's tearing up communities. It's it's tearing up relationships. 
because no one will face it. I hear you. You know, you, you mentioned um, age appropriate conversations. I love that mm-hmm. you, you put that in there because the idea is not to um, be telling young people things that are not yet that that are not yet for their ears you know what I mean for really and I think yeah that, I think that that's what a lot of people are concerned about when we mm-hmm. start having this conversation is that okay well what are you going to be telling kids or whatever you know what I mean like right things that they're not ready to hear or whatever on one hand I say you know I've worked in schools I've worked in the juvenile detention um you know centers um these kids are hearing this stuff regardless they're yes this stuff regardless so yes and the research shows that kids would prefer to be learning from their parents but Absolutely. if parents aren't in a position to be able to have those conversations or too uncomfortable or whatever then they're going to get this information from their idiot best friends so right. all, you know what i mean like they can't they can't learn um good information from someone who's their own age that doesn't know just as much as they don't know and so it's like the blind leading the blind I think a lot of times with young people because um they're hearing things they're seeing things they're being exposed to information and whatnot unless you have them in a bubble and that's a whole different you know that's a whole different situation so um being able to have age appropriate like you mentioned age appropriate conversations mm-hmm. which there's a lot of resources out there on how to do that and based on you know your beliefs and, and your morals and your values how to have these conversations so that you're actually helping to create a, a solid foundation mm-hmm. for for young people to be able to identify their own boundaries mm-hmm. and um, their their self-worth and their value that's and it a great way to discern what situations that they would prefer and like to be in as opposed to then finding themselves later on in unhealthy situations like you had mentioned like so many people find themselves in toxic relationships Mm -hmm. abusive relationships because no one really helped to shape what what they should be looking out for what they should be you know um kind of creating as far as Mm -hmm. an ideal situation so I love that you mentioned the age appropriate piece because it's necessary and then that when we don't do that the absence of the conversations leads to guilt and shame shame yes and and that is something that sticks with people I, I I always see it on the other end as a therapist that's what sticks with people and then that's what we're talking about in the therapy room is now how can we you know help you to resolve these things that you know started and kind of Mm -hmm. grew and were incubated in your young adult years and now as an adult you are having trouble in your relationships in your marriage and and whatnot because of that stuff that happened before and so um I can't stress it enough you know yeah absolutely and that's um really really important and one of the parts uh of the ministry in which I'm in involved in is um where we face those things um that happened in our past maybe there was molestation that happened maybe there was rape that happened and we have to face those things because if we do not face it it does go with you everywhere i think you know in certain communities uh we've been taught to just hide it to hide how it made you feel And now we're like, no, let's talk about it and let's expose how it made you feel. Because I, one thing that I've learned is that your, your circumstance is someone else's answer. And the more I started to share my story and how I was forced in a sexual relationship with someone, it released other women to say, you know what, me too, me too. So now 
because they can say me too. I went through that and I didn't even, some women are saying, I didn't even know that that was, um, that I, that wasn't supposed to happen to me. No one mm-hmm. had ever talked to me about it. And yet again, we're carrying these in our relationships. We're carrying them on our jobs because as human beings, we don't separate anything that we've experienced from who we are. We carry all of that until it's resolved. Um, so one thing that, like I said, that I've had to do in this journey is to face it, to face it and to own um, it doesn't, when I say own, I don't mean you stay in it or it becomes your identity, but to look that thing that happened to you or um, even the mistakes that you made, you look it in the face and then now go through your history, find out why you are more prone to that particular behavior. Right. You know, I, you also, in having this conversation, I'm thinking about what could be people's concerns. And I think another concern probably for a lot of parents, I assume would be, you know, well, if we talk about it, then that, then talking about it is going to make it happen or it's going to like put ideas in someone's head or something like that. And so, um, you know, I think that when we talk about it and we shed light on things, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, whether it's suicide, whether it's Mm -hmm. health, whether it's, you know, trauma, whether it's whatever the case may be, when we shed light on things, we take the power away from that thing. Because Mm -hmm. I think that though, you know, those things thrive in the darkness, they thrive kind of in the shadows. So the more that we don't talk about whatever it is, the more that it has power to kind of do what it wants in the dark. Absolutely. You just spoke to me on that. And that is so true. And for that parent that is saying, you know what, and because I had that that mother that was super Christian, and I love her to death. She really uh, molded me to be the woman that I am. Uh, even though it took some time, I, I had to, some trouble, the youth experiences, but, and I'm, I'm grateful for her leadership. However, she would not deal with it because if she dealt with it, it mean that it was going to propel me into that very behavior that she was trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. And for that parent that says that, I would definitely say, no, let, let's start chipping at that. And why maybe that is a fear for you. And maybe say, hey, as a parent, look that issue in the face for yourself first and then say, okay, why am I feeling this way? Why do I have this fear that I have um, as a parent? Because that child, just because you're not dealing with it doesn't mean that child is not experiencing it. Um, and I'm raising my my sister. Uh, I don't have any children of my own, but I've raised two teenagers and they do give you those yes, no, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so it's up to you as the parent to probe. And just because you're not probing, just because you're not asking, just in, just because you're not confronting does not mean it's not going on. Um, and again, I, it goes back to what I said initially, we don't want to assign shame. And as a parent, you want to be not not necessarily their best friend as as you're gro- as they're growing up, but you want to be light to them. You want to be somewhere there that they're comfortable with. Because I think for me that was an issue was my mom wasn't my safe place. Mm. And so again, like you talked about earlier on in the discussion, then everybody else becomes your safe place. But the the, the, the conversation is hap- happening. Whether it's about drugs, drugs is a huge thing yeah. um, in our community, um, sex, molestation, all of those heavy topics that are like, mm, it's off limits. Mm, we're not trying to deal with it. It's coming up. 
and now more than ever, um, I one thing I just want to throw out there that someone brought to my attention was nowadays a lot of uh, this 3D stuff is going on where um, there's now this big push into 3D video games. And so now the focus is becoming clearer on on facts and, and now they're able and let me let me ver- talk about what I mean by that. But now children are able to actively engage in these type of videos that they're seeing. And so we have to we have to talk about it. Yeah, I think that being aware of what's going on and not and I mean, not to say not to be afraid, but to to be afraid and do the thing anyway, to Mm -hmm. to be comfortable being uncomfortable or not be you or just live with the discomfort. You know, it is Mm -hmm. sometimes things are not going to be comfortable. And you mentioned, I think there's also maybe a difference between, you know, having the safe place and then the comfort being there because the comfort may not be there the comfort comes from right. the safety but you may be uncomfortable having the conversation mm-hmm. and that may not necessarily go away and I think that that's okay um, absolutely but it's definitely important because to me at least from the work that I've done you know trauma in all kinds of shapes mm-hmm. and forms um, touches the majority of people's lives in in one way or another and it's very and what and they don't necessarily directly translate if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. So, trauma, you know, someone can experience or witness domestic violence, and that can lead to um, habits of of I don't know if I want to say promiscuity, but you know what I mean, like yeah, um, absolutely high high risk sexual behavior, mm-hmm. um, and that doesn't that those things are not connected. Domestic violence and high risk sexual behavior are not the same exact thing, but right. the the way that it kind of turns out or plays out because someone might be looking for a safe place, like you mentioned, and maybe safety is a huge thing, looking for safety in people look for safety in gangs, people look mm-hmm. for safety, um, look for escapism in um, video games or in drugs or, you know, in different ways. And so I think that if we're not creating that safety in the home or creating an, a, an opportunity for safety with um, adults that are trusted and knowledgeable to have these conversations, because maybe it's not just necessarily parents having to do it by themselves. Mm-hmm. If parents knew that they had support to right. have these conversations, maybe it would be a little bit easier because now they're not on their own, you know, that saying that takes a village. So um, absolutely, maybe it's that families feel isolated in their experiences that they don't they don't talk to anyone else about it either. So they're just doing the best they know how, which mm-hmm. may or may not be the most helpful in the situation. But maybe it's also about uh, destigmatizing um, the conversations in general so that people know that they have support. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And just one thing that you talked about, I just love what you're saying and how different traumas and the behaviors that come from those traumas may appear to be completely separate you know you may not be able to make that obvious connection um and for me um I'll give an example is that I'm adopted I've always known that I was adopted so I have a very unique incredibly amazing story um of how I I was adopted by a woman just that felt like she was called to adopt and yet she never married And so I never had a father figure in my life. I had a grandfather, but not a father. Those are two different things. Mm -hmm. And so um, later on in life, as I was going through some healing processes, I was wondering, um, and this 
let me take a step back. Um, the one of my leads um, on the for a group, she said, when you have the same relational issues, you have to look, pay attention to the common denominator. And in those relationships that I've experienced, they all ended the same. And I was the common denominator. So what that spoke to me is I had to start looking inside of me. And as I continue to go to the class, she also told me um, for you being adopted, in order for you to have been selected for someone by someone, you would have had to be deselected by another person. Mm. And that person was my father and my mother. And so driving home, you know, that connection that I'm making is that I typically stay in relationships where the man is not emotionally available to me. Hmm. so again you know these discussions were not being had back when I was a child like maybe you know there's some things we need to pay attention to so here I am going through all of these relationships and they're ending up the same and I'm like what's going on it's them it's their fault it's it's something that they're doing wrong but I was I was the common denominator in that and it doesn't mean that there's that I'm a bad person. It just means that I need to start looking within and how that traumatic experience as even a child impacted me even now. And because now I know I have a proclivity to that particular type of relationship, it now empowers me to say, no, I'm not going that way again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not about blame. You know what I mean? It's right. Not, it's not, not about blaming yourself. Or, you know, not at all yourself for the situations that you found yourself in. But I think that there's a difference between, um, you know, feeling like the thing that comes up is like a victim, right? Like life is happening to you and you have no control and then empowering yourself with knowledge and awareness when you can start seeing what's going on and you say, oh, this is the common denominator. Then you have an option, right? Like you have some sense of control to make different choices moving forward. So I think it's, I think it has to be clearly stated because, you know, it's not about blame or guilt Mm -hmm. or shame. It's about empowering yourself um, to be able to say, okay, now I know what's going on. Now I can be more active in making different choices as I see that I'm able to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we go back to the discussion with children, even having, again, we want to have this age appropriate discussion, but you know, a lot of times families repeat cycles too. So when you have those, uh, those discussions, again, healthy based on the age of the child about, Hey, you know, we have us, you know, uh, what you learned in your, in your life, then it begins to break that, um, that, generational cycle that may be on your family. Um, So it it gives everyone behind you more information and more knowledge and and again, more power to make the best decision. Because again, with discussing these topics, we're not as parents or parent figures, guardians trying to tell them what to do. Our goal should be to empower them to make the right decision based on their value system of their selves and having healthy understanding of who they are and what their purpose to do and all of that. So I think it's all, it all ties in it. There's nothing that's separate. Um, all of that. It's significant that you mentioned that because I, you know, as 
parents have children and they're raising them, it's such a chat. Like there's no one manual for for raising kids. Right. And Mm -hmm. each kid, even if there was a manual, each kid has their own personality and they have their own, you know, ideas and way of seeing the world. And some are more testy than others. And so, like you mentioned, it's really this collaboration between the parent and the kid as Mm -hmm. they get older to, give them more opportunities to Mm -hmm. make choices and kind of help them to see um, and create their own decision-making model. There um, you go. It's for them. And so what the younger they are, you're kind of, it's your decision-making model for them, but the older kids have choices or should have um, certain choices they can make once they're Mm -hmm. like two and three years old. Absolutely. Not huge choices, but little things here and there where we're giving them the opportunity to make different choices and understand natural consequences and, you know, you know, what maybe feels good and what doesn't. And do we always need to be doing what feels good in the first place? Right. Learning how to delay gratification. Right. Um, and I think it's really challenging because I really do. I really do feel like parents oftentimes feel very alone. Um in the process because there's the double standard around not wanting to look like a bad parent and all of this stuff. Right. And so we've moved away from the collective, the collective family and raising families within the village, which there's, that's a whole different story, right? Like you're mentioning mentioning generational stuff and I'm like, you know, systemic racism and all that has a part to play Mm -hmm. in, in the, the generational curses that families are dealing with in our community specifically. Right. So, you know, it's difficult because oftentimes parents aren't even aware of how the generational curses are affecting them. Yes. So they can't even oh, yes. teach their kids different because they're affected by the generational curse. So I guess really, if we're kind of, if we're doing chicken and egg, it's really important for everyone to kind of be doing their own work, whether they go. think they need to or not, mm-hmm. um, in order to have a microscope on things to say, okay, like, is this the most helpful and productive for my family? Is this how mm-hmm. I want things? This is what I learned or whatever. Is this how I want things to go? And oftentimes parents are doing better than their, than, than the people that raised them. Right. But it still creates certain challenges. Absolutely. Um, and so parents are like, well, my kids don't have it as bad as I did. Right. So it's like, right. I feel like <laughs> there's a step up, like we've done better, but it's, we have to be focusing on like, what does this kid need in this generation for mm-hmm. them to thrive. And I think that that's where um, it gets a little bit more challenging. Absolutely. And I, again, just, this is just such healthy and good, rewarding uh, conversation. And just, I had mentioned a little bit earlier on, and if there's a parent that may be afraid of having that discussion, again, that doesn't mean that um, you don't have any fear, but maybe that takes, maybe you need to, or maybe you want to look into that. Why does that cause me anxiety to face that particular issue? Is there something inside of me? Is there something that happened to me? Is there something that's going on or happened that I need to deal with? And so, like you mentioned, we're all here doing our work. It's not, hey, we've arrived. I'm better off now. And um, I'm, I've raised my kids better than what my parents did. We're done. No, this is a continual process. It's it's process. Yeah. Yeah, it's a wild. It's a wild ride, but hopefully we're all, you know, making progress and being able to see what those common denominators are like you mentioned, make little adjustments here and there, knowing that none of us is perfect. Absolutely. Um, and and that we're just striving more and more to get closer to healing 
and understanding ourselves in the world and how we can use our experiences to to not only better ourselves but to better those around us you know absolutely absolutely well, I- I really appreciate you. We could have this conversation all <laughs> long. So I do appreciate you coming on the show. Is there anywhere that you would like for people to kind of find you and follow you? Yes, absolutely. So this is a great time for your listeners to jump up, um, aboard of where um, my next goals are headed. Um, so I just started a podcast. It's brand new. So that means that no one has missed anything. Um, but it's called um, 250 Fit. Um, And it just talks about my journey and I'm co-hosting it with another young lady. We both started about 250 pounds and we talk about um, our journey uh, to fitness and how the relationships we've had have been impacted by our lack of self-value. And so um, part of uh, what I've done during this season of waiting is I actually lost a lot of weight and yeah, so we're just there to share our story and captivate the audience and encourage them to like, hey, you go do, you go co- accomplish your goal and don't wait. Wow, I love that. So we'll make sure that that link is in the show notes so everyone can come check out the podcast. Like you said, it's just getting started. So you haven't missed too much. So that's really cool. I love that you're, you know, just... I just really feel like the more people can be authentic as they feel possible in sharing their stories like you mentioned you know your circumstance is someone else's answer so you sharing Mm -hmm. is helping someone else to cut out the guesswork in their life and so I appreciate you for sharing your story for being authentic and willing to you know shine your light so that other people can understand themselves better and feel like they can avoid certain things or get to you know get to certain understandings quicker than maybe having to go the 10 year route, the 20 year route, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> right. 80 years old that are just coming to some awareness of the things in their lives. So, you know, the more that we all do our own work, the better off we are in helping others to do theirs. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I definitely appreciate this and the platform you're giving other women. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, you have a few options. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, and you'll be notified as new episodes are uploaded. You can also leave a review or send me your feedback. Doing so helps me to create content that's relevant to what you want to hear about. And last, you can share the podcast with a friend. Whether it's directly or sharing it on your social media, it helps them to know that you think that this is information that they need to hear about. Thank you.